Welcome to Rest and Awaken Podcast. Only able to access those things because she has money. Accessibility therapy just makes me absolutely, the whole system makes me absolutely insane. Um, Join us with Dr. Colleen and Dr. Natalie. You were thinking about something I had written in a newsletter? Yes. Let's put more energy or thought into are we creating anti-racist outcomes? Get ready for thought-provoking conversations about real-life experiences that will empower you to explore different perspectives and live life to the fullest, right here on Rest and Awaken Podcast. Wow. (laughs) I'm excited about this. Same, same. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I guess we should maybe start with just introducing ourselves since this is our our go-live date. Uh, So I'm Dr. Natalie Edmond, she, her pronouns, coming to you from central New Jersey land of the... Lenny Lenapi. I am Dr. Colleen Sira. Um, she, her pronouns uh, in coming from Chicago or Oak Park, more specifically, um, Illinois. I need to, I need to figure out local ancestry um, of Native origins. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that I'm like trying to build a muscle of, like, who are the, who are the indigenous people to this land and how do I make them more more visible. I feel like it's not enough, but it's like a starting point for me. Totally, totally. Uh, I, I feel like that in and of itself could be something. That we <laughs> but I'll I'll put a pin in that uh, for now. I know that today we're supposed to be doing intros, so. But I'm gonna make a note of that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, this is just an introductory episode to just introduce ourselves, how we met, and uh, why we're doing this YouTube podcast. Yeah. So who I'm, I'm so curious to hear uh, your version of the story. I feel like I shared my version um, in other places and it's, I, you know, in a testimonial for you. Um, You want me to go first since you've heard mine or do you want to go? Yeah. 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 I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, So obviously the story is not for you, Natalie, it's for our listeners. Um, So I got in touch with Natalie uh, in the wake of George Floyd's murder in 2020. Um, I am the founder and CEO of my practice. And while we always have had values of social justice and equity, the murder of George Floyd made us really look at ourselves and say, what are we, other than being loud on social media, what are we actually doing to dismantle harmful systems? And the answer was not a whole lot of anything. And so that was a real moment of reckoning both um, for many of us individually and personally, but also as a team. And so um, my good friend, Maureen Warbach recommended Natalie as an anti-racist consultant. And uh, Natalie and I started to work together individually, but she also worked with my team. And it was just a lot of conversations um, about about race, about external systems, um, about sexuality, sexual identity. There were just so many conversations about business ownership, so many conversations to be had and unpack and deconstruct. And what, what happened over time is that not only did I really wind up respecting Natalie as someone, um, as a, a partner on my journey um, and somebody who's helping my team a lot on our collective journey, but I just really started enjoying Natalie as a person. Um, I really loved your perspective and your style. 
there was just so much warmth and compassion. And, and now I understand as somebody who, you know, you do yoga and meditation and mindfulness and you practice that regularly. And now I am like, oh, that's, that's a muscle she's been working, but your ability to be meta and curious and respond rather than react is just something that I admire so much. Um, and I just, I've really just enjoyed getting to know you as a human being. Um, and so when I, when I knew what direction I wanted to take this work for myself personally, I reached out to Natalie and I was just like, I feel like we're supposed to be doing this together. And I don't really know what this is, but I just, I just feel like we're supposed to be doing this together, which was so vulnerable. Uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you were like, yes, let's do that. So that's my version of the event. I'm, I'm dying. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I mean, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, um, I was kind of at a turning point in my career. So I decided to probably like a couple of weeks before his murder, I had decided to leave part-time employment at a counseling center. I already owned a group practice, but I only spent half time in there, though I really worked, I was there full time, but, um, and I was planning to do more consulting and I had done anti-racism workshops as like a hobby, like something I did on the side as like, just like a spiritual practice. And when he was murdered, I was like so enraged, so grieving. And I created a video kind of expressing that and talking a little bit about um, you know, some of the systems of whiteness and oppression and uh, probably named white supremacy. And um, I think a couple of group practice owners happened to find it and then they shared it with other people, which I think eventually got to, I think it started with Maureen and that like, there was like a lot, it's like it kind of like eventually got to Maureen, which then got to, got to you. So, um, so I've been doing like hundreds of anti-racism workshops over the last couple of years. And I think what stood out when I met with you and particularly I think with your team was like your willingness to be deeply vulnerable. And it was clear that you were doing work like outside of those series, outside of those sessions. And, you know, as someone who works with a lot of white bodies and like people who will get to know me, like know that I use like kind of this language of the body and the nervous system, like because it's not always in our heads, right? Like it's like what lives in our bodies. And I think like as just a psychologist, as trauma specialist, like these are things like we, we've learned, right? As you know, my head will tell a story, but my body will tell me something different. And so I pick up a lot on people's vibes. And so like the got from you was like, oh, like I meet lots of people in workshops, but I'd love to know Colleen more. Mm -hmm. um, just because like, I think the ability to grieve and to cry and to like, have humility and like navigate your team to deepen their muscle around um, anti-racism and social justice and like live into it was really respectful. And then I think that I started to see you less because our lives just didn't like coincide so much. And then I think I saw you in person last summer, which yeah. was like lovely. First time um, ever. Yeah, so many people I met in the pandemic virtually. So it's like neat to start to meet them in person. And then when you sent that email, I don't even know when you sent it, like December, November, it something December, like that. Jan yeah, it yeah. Was and as soon as I saw your name, I was like, yes, what, whatever she has to offer, I'm in. 
Um, no, which I, you know, I would say as someone who tends to be more reserved and introverted, like that says a lot because I normally would be like, eh, I don't know, but I was like totally in. And I know we talked about doing a couple different things. And then I think we landed on this because I think over the last like year or two, we've had just lots of conversations about so much stuff. And I think that gave birth to Rest and Awaken, this, yeah. um, this channel to really talk about what does it mean to be female presenting, to, have, to be a mom, to be in multiple roles, to um, integrate spirituality into our daily lives, into our work, into like therapy, um, like how do we dismantle the patriarchy and, and like center the people who tend to be the most marginalized, how do we work towards collective liberation, and that starts with our own liberation. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we could talk every week and like have so much to talk about. So much. Yeah. Yeah, so and I feel like there, there's so many things you just said where I could go down a rabbit hole with so many mm-hmm. of those things. Um, the only thing I won't take us down a rabbit hole, but it's it's really that and I white women tears or something I want to put a pen in too, uh, and that's a whole different thing, right? Um, but I I really appreciate how we're able to talk about tears and how we're able to talk about it. It's a really nuanced conversation. Our conversations about white women tears are really nuanced. Um, And I think that's the thing about so many of these topics is we get sound bites or we get news clips, right? And everything is so reductionistic and binary. And I am just excited to have really complicated nuanced conversations that give justice to these complicated nuanced topics that don't they don't often get that kind of treatment you know yeah absolutely and I think for me that's part of what um was appealing about us doing this kind of visual podcast um or video podcast is I think particularly in this time in our country like I think to have cross-racial solidarity to have like deeply meaningful conversations with people who don't look like you, but share other identities. I think, I think we're craving that as a society. And I think if we can model um, like that, there can be these conversations and they can be nuanced. I mean, you know that I have like a thing about white women's tears. Like I, I get where it comes from and there's a vibe when the tears are weaponized. Nice. They stop the conversation and there's tears that are really about grief and sadness and like being authentic to where you are on the journey. And that for some people, eventually they don't cry so much when they're talking about these topics because they built the muscle or sometimes they're always crying because that's how they process things in the world. And like, how do we respect that and create a sense of belonging for all the ways we are on this journey? Totally. And, and that that multiple perspectives, multiple truths, the ability to see things through so, and consider things through so many lenses. Um, I, I, I just, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about that. Um, Cause I, I think it is just more commonplace to have these, when we have conversations, even when people, especially when white people, especially progressive white women, I think are trying to have these conversations the amount of times that I still feel white supremacy in the room or like we're embodying white supremacy, even though what we're saying is trying to be the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a complicated thing. And that just takes 
a lot of time and conversation and emotional bandwidth and nuance to really unpack all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm thinking about one of the ways we bonded over the last year or so was talking about being queer women in heteronormative marriages and um, and the complexities of that and and maybe in different seasons of our life, you know, feeling differently in relationship to our spouses, in relationship to motherhood, in like just in the queer liberation movement, like just in a lot of things. So I appreciate that because I think that there are a lot of queer people out there in a variety of different kinds of relationships. And I think just having those kinds of conversations, I've also appreciated conversations about just neurodiversity or just resting. And so like, I appreciate that we'll allocate like time to talk about all these different ways of being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I'm curious about in terms of, are there, you just named a few, but what are the things you're most excited to talk about? Uh, Anything else? Those are some of the biggest for me, um, the intersecting identities of parenthood, marital status, monogamy, sexual identity, like there's so- Oh yeah, absolutely. There. Yeah. Um, yeah, and neurodiversity is big for me. I I have um, ADHD. I have a child um, who is, neuro- two actually have children who are neurotypical, uh, neurodivergent rather. And so the issue of, of neurodivergence is feeling really, really sensitive for me right now and how am I navigating a world and how are my kids navigating a world that is built for neurotypical people and and kind of seeing that everywhere that's an identity that's really top of mind for me right now with all of the 504s and you know we're we're get ready to have our like wrap up for the etc so yeah anything else for you that's feeling yeah I mean I think as someone who identifies as neurotypical raising two kids who are neurodiverse and having a spouse who's neurodiverse who's never been diagnosed I feel like the last several years I've been really examining what are the ways I've learned to be in the world that um, without mindfulness I can be oppressive to my own family members because of the way that I process information and then maybe how I like run my household in some ways. Um, And I've had to really adapt um, over the years. And I like, I appreciate the way that my kids have taught me to be different. And I think um, as I learn more about neurodiversity, more than what I learned in graduate school, which wasn't that much, um, you know, 20 years ago, definitely wasn't that much. And um, I'm starting to see the more nuances because then now when I appear, as I evolve, I think I'm noticing I have ways in which I'm like slightly neurodiverse, but I don't even know if I would call it neurodiversity, but there are ways in which sometimes people ask me to do things and I'm like, well, I can't actually do it the way you told me to do it, but I can give you the information in another way. And so, which probably was always true. I just like tried to conform myself into whatever I had to do for work, for school, for whatever. So I feel like that would be a great conversation just about like, what if we just treat treated people in a way that create an environment of radical inclusion? So however you process, however you work, um, you didn't feel judged and you were just come as you are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I was, uh, as you know, Natalie, I was at the the doctor this morning. Um, and anytime I'm in a doctor's office, which is typically a, a Western medicine doctor's office, I am. I have so many mixed experiences of being horrified with some of the interactions and really impressed with some of the other. So even just, you know, when I think about the aim of this podcast, it's to me, it really feels like a deconstruction of everything that is considered normative um, and just an interrogation or a questioning of everything that we take for granted as normal. Um, and so even healthcare and uh, Western medicine, I, I'm fascinated by the intersection of Western medicine and all of these and how you experience Western medicine or America's health system, healthcare system, depending on your identities and, and how those things intersect. Um, I'm a medically complicated person. And so I'm, I think that's a, always a fascinating conversation to have is how people experience America's healthcare system. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely something I want to talk about because I think about, you know, for most of my life, I just identified as like a Black person. And I think as I've become awakened, recognizing that the system treats Black bodies differently than it treats other kinds of bodies. Um, but then Especially in the, women. yeah, and what's interesting in like the last three years or so, as I've been in a fatter body, which I didn't spend my life being in a fatter body, now I've had, I'm much more aware of like the fat phobia and mm-hmm. I've learned much more of the intersection of fat phobia and anti-blackness. And so like just thinking about like as someone who's, who at once upon a time treated disordered eating and like the ways in which even the way I was taught to think about like what con- what's considered healthy was so based on like thin body supremacy and like really white European bodies. And so, you know, wanting to unpack that a bit as well as I like, you know, have been divorcing diet culture the last couple of years and recognizing it's so in the air that we breathe Mm -hmm. and want more people to be liberated. Uh, Like you can, like I'm really deeply committed to being healthy and I love to exercise and all that stuff. And yet I don't want to try to make my body be something that it's not mm-hmm. can't do that it can't do with ease absolutely I feel like I have so much I've been thinking about that um, more recently um, I recently read uh, Sonia Renee Taylor's The Body is Not a, an Apology uh, and the, it, it's an incredible book for anybody who hasn't read it but just the conversations about not only diet culture and how we feel about our bodies and how we're trained to feel about our bodies, but also of the beauty industry. And especially as, as a white woman, how am I being complicit in, in the marginalization of so many people, um, especially people of color, especially people who do not exist in thin bodies, um, just by how, what I spend, what products I spend my money on and, and what I do habitually to look a certain way. I had to think really hard about like today, am I putting on makeup? Mm. Should I have this ring light on, which I decided, yes, (laughs) I'm really dark otherwise. Um, But it's just, it's built in so much that it winds up being unconscious for me most of the time. And so 
constantly trying to wake up to how am I showing up in the world? Am I showing up in that way because I've been trained that I need to, or this is the only way I'm palatable, or is this truly how I want to show up in the world? And what does it mean that I want to show up in that way? It's, that's a deep rabbit hole too. Yeah. And I think that's so hard is to think about the ways in which we are complicit or the instructions we've learned of how we're supposed to be in the world. Yeah. And how does being female intersect with other identities we have? And what are the ways in which um, we as women are gatekeepers for other women? Yes. And, and policing their bodies and their behaviors and their tone of voice, which keeps us, mm-hmm. you know, not being free, not being liberated. It keeps us in colonization. That's right. Yeah, 100%. Um, and to your point, it's just, it is every, all of this stuff is everywhere. Yeah. So if you're walk, if you're sleepwalking, it's, it's real easy to miss. Yeah. Yeah. And the system is built for us to be just playing the game. Right. So like, I think about in this world of wokeness or awakeness or, um, critical race theory or like challenging fat phobia, all these worlds, you know, that at least we didn't talk about when I was a kid. Um, It's like, how do we begin to teach our kids and our clients and our colleagues and our friends a different way of being in the world and that there doesn't have to be one way? And how do we begin to interrogate everything we've ever learned to think about who was it created for? and who needs to assimilate or who gets harmed the most by us being rigid about ways we define health or marriages or anything. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Um, much. So much, but it feels like we're starting and we're going to keep having these conversations with whatever frequency we decide is sustainable because I think we want to model like the balance of resting and awakening. Yes. It's like, we can't just always be trying to change, but we also don't want to be static and rest is a really part of our our important part of our liberation and our self-care as well. Big time. Yeah. I've been really trying to lean into that more recently. Um, So we've, we've talked, I'm curious if you've, we talked a little bit about like what are our goals for the, the podcast. I'm curious if you have any kind of like individual goals or, or personal goals in showing up mm. here? Mm. I mean, I think one will be vulnerability, um, mm. right? Is like, how deep will we go? Where will we go? This is yeah. unstructured. We're not prepping ahead of time. We're just like coming as we are. I think we talked about, right? Like we talked about um, coming and maybe talking about what we're digesting or reading or listening to as a starting point. And, you know, clearly there's so much we could talk about. So I think for me, it's like deepening our relationship and being of service to people in the world who might benefit from our stories or our perspective. And um, yeah, just to commit to coming. This feels like a practice, just committing to coming and being an authentic relationship. And I, I love that. I love that so much. You and I have talked off camera about how the, the, the just showing up, this is really like baptism by fire kind of thing for me in terms of I struggle, one of the aspects of white supremacy culture that I struggle with so much is the perfectionism piece and that this is really <laughs> uh, trial by fire. That's the expression. Um, 
yeah, this, this is really going to do not do away with perfectionism, I think is going to be a lifelong battle for me, but it's going to be a very regular opportunity to just lean in to, to talking unfiltered, unscripted. I think that's so important for people to know and realize that, uh, we did not prep at all. And, and we're just having honest conversations and, and now that I'm here, I love it. And it's great. But gearing right. up, I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I love that. I was like, you were just willing to trust. You were just willing to trust, which I loved. Yes. Well, and, and you're so, you're really, you challenge me in that way, which I really, I really appreciate. So um, yeah, so same. So showing up and not, and not filtering too much or for me, not like overthinking to just say whatever it is that's on my mind and to do this balance between I, I want to be thoughtful about what I say, because I don't, I don't want to be doing harm. And I also don't want to be perfectionistic and, and overly think it. So then it, I sound robotic or like this avatar of what I think I should sound like. So, you know, it's a practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the longer we do this, like we'll, we'll meet each other in different seasons of our life where we'll sound different. We're taking in different things. Um, And I think for me, the, like as someone who grew up as someone like who should be quiet and invisible, like all the work I've been doing the last couple of years, even in doing anti-racism workshops is I used to have more structured workshops. And over the years, I was like, well, this, maybe it's something about competence. When you reach a certain level of competence mm-hmm. or confidence, you're just like, I can't, I can't script this. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to go with the energy in the room and the vibe and that will feel more transformative. So I love that we're going to play it and see, and see whoever's like listening to us what they're reacting to and that that might shape what we talk about as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, I love that idea that we can be more unstructured. We can kind of just show up as exactly as we are when we do feel more confident about who we are or what we can offer or what our worth is. And so that's a, that's a cool journey for you and uh, looking forward to being on this with you. Yeah, same. So I guess, that seems like a great end for rest yep. and awaken for today. Good. Cool. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the journey. Same, same. Talk soon. Sounds good. Yeah.